has been written since the beginning of time, even unto these ancient stones, that evil supernatural creatures exist in a world of darkness. And it is also said, man using the magic power of the ancient runic symbols can call forth these powers of darkness, the demons of hell. I'm recording. Me too. Well, that was the opening music to Curse of the Demon, released in 1957, also known as Night of the Demon, and it was directed by Jacques Tourneur. Probably didn't say that last name right. And it was written by Charles Bennett uh, and Hal E. Chester from a, a short story by M.R. James, who was a who is or was a famous uh, writer from the late 19th and early 20th century, wrote a lot of great ghost stories and supernatural stories, including Casting the Runes, which is the story that this film is based on. And there's been a few radio dramas made of it as well. And I read that uh, Sam Raimi's 2009 movie Drag Me to Hell uh, was based off of this Casting the Runes. And I, I, yeah, when I was watching this movie again, I, I got kind of reminded of that 2009 movie, actually. I have not seen that uh, 2009 movie. I think you'd enjoy it. It's kind of uh, campy, but also it's really well done. It's, it's scary and campy and good special effects. And I'll add it to my uh, watch list. So I was going to say, oh, I was going to say, should we do our introdu uh, introduction? <laughs> Well, I was gonna, Should we do our introductions? Well, Maybe I was we gonna, should start yeah, over. <laughs> I was going to say who it stars, and then I was going to do that. So, ah, and it stars Dana Andrews and Peggy Cummings, uh, Niall McGinnis, and Maurice Denham, uh, Athena, uh, Athene Sealer, as well as some other folks. Uh, I really liked uh, Niall McGuinness's character, though. Dr. Julian Carswell. No kidding. <laughs> You'll remember him from our uh, 49th Parallel movie. He was the German submarine uh, crew member that was the baker. Oh, my gosh. On that Hooterite, in that Hooterite colony. Uh, and he was shot because he wanted to change his life and stay there. Oh, my gosh. I totally did not connect that. That's cool. Yeah, I can see that now. I, I can totally see that. All right. Uh, and you're listening to Classic Movie Reviews, and you can find us on the Internet at ClassicMovieReviews.net and on Patreon. Just go to Patreon.com slash Classic Movie Reviews. And I'm Matt Johnson coming to you from Cloudy Gray... North Bend, where fall has definitely arrived here. And this is Bob Johnson in Los Angeles, where we continue some hot weather, and it's uh, going to cool down later next week. Welcoming everybody back to Classic Movie Reviews and Night of the Demon or Curse of the Demon. Not only was it all those other things with the radio programs and so forth, but it was also an 8 millimeter movie that we must have watched so many times we wore the print out. Oh yeah, that's right. I remember that. That was that was fun. 
it was a much uh, condensed version compared to the film. The film came out in the U.S. <clears throat> in March of 1958, <clears throat> so I probably would have gone to see it in April of 19, April or May of 1958 <clears throat> in Lewistown when I was in high school, because I remember seeing it. It was a part of a double feature with one of those, uh, like Frankenstein or... Um, or similar kind of film. It was a, it was a treat to see. I think the other uh, film started started Peter Cushing, who was always in these horror movies. Yeah, he did about twenty vampire Dracula movies. It seems like I I think I've seen them all. <laughs> he was also Doctor Who. Yeah, in the movies. Yeah, those are actually pretty good. Those are uh, yeah, I enjoyed those Doctor Who full length feature films. This is a really enjoyable film for me because it has so many memories of us watching it. We also, I remember, had another... We had a few, or you had a few of those 8mm movies. There was one, uh, First Men in the Moon, I think. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I had maybe a half a dozen of these, and they all got lost in uh, a flood in Seattle. Water got into the storage unit. Yeah, that's too bad. the films. But a lot of memories of you and Ben and I sitting downstairs. What, were they about five minutes long? I mean, it was like you take this <laughs> hour and a half maybe. long movie and condense it down to about five minutes. That's uh, It didn't take long, yeah. It was, <laughs> oh, it might have been more, maybe like 12 minutes or something. Okay. They didn't waste any time on plot. No, just, just the, the highlights. highlights. <laughs> yeah, this is a fun movie. I've watched it many times. In fact, I think I watched it three times this week. It's it's a great movie to just have on in the background as you're doing some work. Oh, it is because you can you you don't have to get too focused on it because you've seen it several times. I'll I'll do that here in the office. I'll have a movie on uh, with the sound off, and it's just kind of like keeping me company. I did want to mention that the director of this, Jacques Tourneau, uh, a French director, did a movie that's one of my favorites from 1947, Out of the Past, with Robert Mitchum, Kirk Douglas, and uh, Jane Greer. And boy, there's a lot of film noir movies, but that's the Cadillac of the group. It's really excellent. And then you remember, we've seen, uh, I think we've watched... I don't know if we've done a podcast of it, but we've watched Cat People. Yeah, yeah. 1942. He worked for Val Luton for a long time and really perfected his craft. Yeah, that was, uh, that was a good movie. and uh, It's actually one of my, yeah, another one of my favorite movies, Cat People, yeah. I just imagine that the director was able to really produce an excellent film on a low budget and got it done on time and, and within the budget. And some of his touches are, are really seen in the film, the way he uses the cinematography and and uh, uh, the black and white film. And, and he just brings the best out of the cast. And Dana Andrews, this was kind of later in his career, and he was excellent in it as Dr. Holden. Although he did have a few medical issues in terms of getting uh, signatures on doing exp- experiments with some of the patients. But, I mean, Andrews was, he did Laura in 1944, the Oxbow incident in 1943, and The Best Years of Our Lives in 1946. It was probably the best film I've ever seen. His career really 
peaked in the early to mid 40s and then tailed down a bit in the 50s. But I thought he was excellent in this film. Yeah, I thought he was well cast. Um, he, I don't know, he just had the right amount of mix of like, he's sort of likable, but also a little bit um, smarmy at the same time. I don't know. Yeah, he, he definitely had his own views and really felt that he was more knowledgeable than other people. I mean, when we first meet him, he's he's like this super grumpy airline passenger who is trying to sleep on this cross-Atlantic flight. And, you know, it's, it's like, who's this guy? <laughs> His fondness for uh, Peggy Cummins, uh, who's uh, in the film as uh, Joanna Harrington, was a little bit of a mismatch, because at that time he would have been probably close to 25 or 30 years older than her but hey it's hollywood what the heck <laughs> yeah and then the and the, then uh, niall mcginnis he is oh he was perfect in that role oh going around passing that parchment to people and sending them off yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 wow. I, I loved his character because he was so in some ways like forthright about what he was doing and it's just that people didn't believe him but he he wasn't trying to hide the fact that he was this occult practitioner and was cursing people and and i like the fact that he was just yep yeah, that's what i'm doing i'm sorry you know sorry you don't believe me but you're you're in trouble now <laughs> i know and you know it it's interesting because his mother has a prominent role in the film with the seance and all this and i i'm never i'm never quite sure when i watch the film were they in cahoots together or was she working on her own or well that's the it, that's the one character that i think was underutilized and and i i have a slight rewrite for the movie that would i, I think make it make her character more meaningful because she's just sort of a almost like a set a piece of the set in some ways and she doesn't really yeah. add a lot to to the story the way that it's written right now oh we'll have to leave time for that because when you really look at the film it does have some things that i think looking at it like 60 some years later might have been a little different plot like early on they must have been able to have a budget that was only enough for one day for maurice denholm because he was a well-known actor in the 50s and 60s, and he's on screen for, like, the, what, the first five minutes of the film. And then he gets... We kind of meet him at the very beginning, and he's he's cursed by Dr. Carswell. I must see Dr. Carswell at once. Yes, sir. Who should I say is calling, sir? Professor Harrington, tell him it's most urgent. I'm afraid Mr. Carswell is not at home, sir. I know he's here. Uh, tell him I won't leave until he does see me. I'm very sorry, sir. Well, go back and say that... Carswell. That's all right, please. Please come in. This way. Good evening. Good evening, Mother. Well, uh... I'll go and see about some tea. Oh, that won't be necessary. We shall only be a minute. Call it off, Carswell. Stop this thing you've started and I'll admit publicly that I was totally wrong and that you were totally right. Well, it's very gratifying to hear that, but some things are more easily started than stopped. But I've heard it. I've seen it. I know it's real. You involved me in a public scandal. I protested. You said, do your worst. And that's precisely what I did. 
Please, Carswell. I'll stop this investigation. When Holden arrives, I'll tell him I made a mistake. I'll send a statement to the newspapers. I... Oh, no, 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 no more newspapers. All I ask for is privacy for myself and my followers. Well, I promise. All right. That's good enough. Then you'll stop this? You still got that parchment I gave you? The runic symbols? No, they burned. I couldn't stop it. Oh, I see. Uh, well, I think perhaps you'd better go home. Then you will help me? I'll do all that I can. Carswell, if you only knew. I do know. Thank you. Good night, Mrs. Carswell. Good night. Thank you again. Goodbye, Professor. This is another nitpick that I have of the movie. So it opens up with, with us, with Dr. Carswell and Professor Harrington. And Professor Harrington is begging Dr. Carswell to, to release him from this curse. And Dr. Carswell's like, well, it's, it, I'll, I'll see what I can do. But you, but you, <laughs> you get the idea that, no, it's, it's too late. you know. And, and he, Once I call these demons up, they're on their own. Yeah, and so he's trying to get him out of his house because there's just like time... It's like a countdown to when the demon is going to come and get him, and so he's trying to get him out of the house. And so uh, the next thing we see, he, Professor Harrington is driving down the road and pulling into his garage. But then there's this weird sound and all this like strange things happening outside of. again trying to escape and runs into a electrical pole which then crashes down and there's these live electrical wires covering his car and then off in the distance you see this like smoky sort of like haze appearing and you think oh you know that that's the demon coming um yeah he's trapped no matter what he does yeah i mean he's He's trapped in his car, surrounded by these live electrical wires, and there's this demon from hell coming to get him, so he's really in trouble. <laughs> you mentioned when we were uh, talking about the film before doing the podcast that uh, they could they could have, uh, the director could have waited until later in the film, near the end, to show the demon to give it even more of a striking uh, appearance, because the special, well, I was going to say the special effects of how they make him appear are outstanding. But they could have done that without we without us actually seeing him. Do you remember later in the movie? Well, yeah, later in the movie when uh, John Holden is uh, breaking into Dr. Carswell's house and then he's leaving through the woods and there's that yes. smoke thing that follows him. Like They, they should have yeah. done something like that at the beginning rather than show the entire demon. And I think that would have really ramped up the suspense and the scariness of it later when we actually do see it again at the end of the movie but but it's kind of like a little bit of a down 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 note when you see it later in the movie because you've already seen it and there's no surprise <laughs> i uh i remember as a, like a 14 year old or probably maybe 15 sitting in the judah theater on a saturday for this double feature just couldn't wait for that monster to appear so yeah, <laughs> I was I was the perfect audience for the way it was set up originally. 
I almost wonder if they did it that this way to make it a little bit less scary. I, I don't know. I, I think I'd love to re-edit this movie a little bit and, and not show the monster at the beginning and see... Oh, and there's one other thing that I would edit out as well, which we, which I talked about in my text to you. Oh, yes. When we, well, I, I, just one other thing on the opening. I, I, I give really high marks to the direction and setting the mood for that film as... as uh, Denholm is is driving his car through the mist and the fog, and it's late at night, and the lighting is really, really eerie. And uh, I would not pull into that garage myself. It looked like if he went in there, he's never coming out. The it cinematography is great, and the lighting is great, and the, actually the special effects of the monster is really cool. So it really, they really did a, a good job of setting it all up and making it look spooky on screen and and a lot of it happens at night so it's it's very dark and mysterious anyway i love i love uh i love uh jacques tonneau's direction for that in his films the cat people are out of the past they're really he his use of black and white cinematography is just outstanding yeah i would definitely say that he's a master of that and the person who was did the cinematography also did the was the director of photography on um, I want to say Dirty Dozen. Let's see. Yeah, the Dirty Dozen was the director of photography on that oh, movie. Oh, the John Sturgis film. We cut from the electrocution of of Doctor uh, Professor Harrington to our uh, hero flying on an old TWA plane, trying to get some sleep and acting like everybody in the plane is bothering him. And the thing I noticed about that scene is. Were those really the way the seats in that plane worked? <laughs> I was like, I've never, I've flown, I don't know, millions of miles, it seems like. I've never seen a seat like that. It went up and back and forward and down. Yeah, it was a weird <laughs> setup in the plane, yeah. And of course, the woman behind him, doesn't that happen to be Peggy Cummins? It is, yeah. Cause oh, she's had a, what she's, a coincidence. Well, she's headed to England because her, was it her father? Um, uh, I think it's her uncle. Her Let's uncle see here. It was Professor Harrington, and so she's going there for the funeral, and uh, John Holden is going for this uh, conference where he's going to be presenting on the occult, and he's sort of a occult, uh, what somebody who debunks things like this, like debunks seances and debunks. Uh, mm -hmm you know, occult rituals, and so he's, apparently he's a world-renowned uh, person in this field. Yes, he's going to this convention to put all these uh, people in their place that are trying to, you know, pull the wool over our eyes through their mystical powers that they think they have. And he's written and, an article that uh, is really critical of Dr. Carswell. <laughs> which yeah, is, that was a mistake on his part. It really was. <laughs> right? I just found out that Peggy Cummings was the niece of of a Professor Harrington. I just looked that up. So the, the flight arrives and... and uh, Dane Andrews gets off the plane. He's waiting to, to meet Dr. Uh, Professor Harrington and can't understand why he's not there and then finds out that he's been electrocuted under mysterious circumstances. And uh, again, he doesn't have any 
he doesn't give any credibility to anything other than just the the power lines killed him. He's this guy is really not open to exploring new avenues. Well, there's a couple other characters that are also specialists in this area, and I think they're played by Liam Redmond and Reginald Beckwith. It was Mark O'Brien and Mr. Meek. Oh, yeah. Mr. Mis- Mr. Meek. Mr. Meek, was, wasn't he the head person at that seance? Was he the head person at the seance? I, oh, I, I, think, I think so. Uh, no, there was a guy. Maybe oh. I'm thinking of somebody else. Well, the head seance guy did an excellent job. Oh, of, that was the head seance guy. That's not who I'm thinking of. Yeah, he was. I can't place this other guy either. Peter Elliott uh, played Kumar. I think that's who it was. He was supposed to be Indian, and he had those funny little circular glasses and that hat. And then there was the other person that Professor Holden kept passing off the farmer to in hypnotizing this poor devil. Was that was Liam that- Redmond? I think that must be Liam, Liam Redmond, yeah. Yeah, because... We're, run, we're running out of characters here. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, these, these other two people uh, are kind of convinced that it was something supernatural, and they're saying that there's this myth or this, uh, this creature in all these different cultures, and they have these drawings, and they say that this is the creature that killed... Uh, Professor Harrington, and like you said, John Holden isn't buying it. He thinks it's a bunch of BS. Yeah, he just ah, oh, that's hooey, <laughs> hooey. <clears throat> let me get let me get dressed, and we'll go to the meetings. Sorry to disturb you like this, Holden, but there's so much to do in so little time. I'll be right out. The police say that Professor Harrington was electrocuted. Somehow his car ran into a power line outside his house. It was a terrible accident. He. He must have died instantly. The services will be held tomorrow. I'll be there. Oh, this is Mark O'Brien. He's been working with Professor Harrington. And he'll continue to do so with you. Fine. Professor O'Brien, you'll have to forgive me. I had a little sleep to catch up on. Of course. Uh, sit down. I won't be very long. What is this? Oh, these are part of O'Brien's research, which is tied up with the Carswell Devil Cult investigation. I see. Let me get some clothes on. I wrote Professor Harrington recently that if he wanted to find the key to Carswell's phony supernatural power, all he had to do was check the psychological makeup of some of his followers. I know, but we ran into difficulty. The one cult member we persuaded to speak up, a farmer named Rand Hobart, was arrested several weeks ago as an alleged murderer. Well, it could still be useful. I'm afraid not. His mind is in total collapse. He's in a state of catatonic shock, and he's now in a home for the criminally insane. Why do you say alleged murderer? Well, that's just my personal view. A short while ago at the asylum, I succeeded in rousing Hobart. Under hypnosis, he produced this drawing. It's crude, but remarkably similar to these copies of old woodcuts and medieval drawings of a fire demon invoked by witchcraft to destroy an enemy. You mean you think that thing committed the murder? (laughs) I thought the purpose of our convention was to disprove that type of thinking. Yes, but Mark says that he's I quite... I speak for myself, Lloyd. I'm a scientist also, Dr. Holden. I know the value of the cold light of reason, but I also know the deep shadows that light can cast, the shadows that can blind men to truth. What truth? Myths. Demonology and witchcraft have been discredited since the Middle Ages, O'Brien. I wrote a book about it. That's why I'm here. Then explain how an uneducated farmer like Hobart could know anything about this creature whose legend has persisted through civilization after civilization. Babylonian Baal, Egyptian Seth Typhon, 
Persian Asmodeus, Hebraic Malach. Come in. Good evening. Katie Kumar Bombay apologizes for being late. Oh, that's quite all right, Kumar. We're just about to begin. Now, this is Dr. Holden. How do you do? Dr. Holden, I'm very pleased to meet you. Your work on hypnotism is a great favorite of mine. Thank you, Dr. Kumar. Uh, we were just talking about devils and demons. What are your views on the subject? Oh, I believe in them. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, I like how he's, he comes out of the bathroom in his towel. <laughs> he was, he was channeling casual. Waldo Lidecker from Laura. But his hair was perfect. He, he, he had time. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't want to go on camera with bad hair, right? No, it's like, I guess. no. So anyway, we, we move ahead a little bit in the story. And uh, I, think we, I think we find uh, Dr. Holden going to the, the huge, beautiful... British Library, oh, which yeah. has been in many films. I've seen that library in James Fawn's films, in Mission Impossible films. That's, uh, I, oh, we have a critic in the background. <laughs> yeah, the dogs are going to join. <laughs> was, that, that, was that the end of their rating? Uh, yeah, that's all they thought. Oh, that, they like the library, too. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, he goes to the library, and he's doing all this research in this one book that he desperately needs to look into so he can find out more about this is missing. But who should appear? <laughs> Dr. Carswell. <laughs> Dr. Carswell. And he has a copy of the book. And I thought it was like, did they not put the pieces together that he probably stole that book from the library? It's like... <laughs> that was the first thing I thought of. Yeah, it's the only one in the world, but I have a copy too. Oh, there must be another. There's two of them in the world. <laughs> Because the library didn't have it. <laughs> Excuse me, sir. I couldn't help overhearing your conversation with the librarian. Your interest in seeing the true discoveries of witches and demons, is that it? Yes. I have a copy. I'll gladly put at your disposal. And the British Museum didn't have the only copy. Apparently not, Dr. Holden. I have what is perhaps the finest library in the world on witchcraft and the black arts. You know my name. Oh, yes. And you know mine. I'm Julian Carswell. Shh. It's rather difficult to talk here. Why not come out to my place in the country? The book's there. If I don't find what I want, I might take you up on that. I'm delighted. Just one thing. Let's understand each other, Mr. Carswell. My investigation of you and your cult won't be stopped. Oh, but uh, if I could make my point, I could persuade you. I'm not open to persuasion. But a scientist should have an open mind. That's what investigations are for. Oh, well, um, in any event, here's my card. Lufford Hall, near Wargreave. I'll be seeing you soon, I'm sure. Oh, excuse me, how, how clumsy. So, so sorry. Here are your papers, sir. Thank you. Goodbye. Don't leave it too long.
Dr. Carswell is very good at magical sleight of hand tricks because he knocks the papers on the floor that are Dr. Holden's and he slips the parchment. The parchment is critical to this plot. Yeah, it has the runes on it. it to, yeah. He slips it to Dr. Holden, who doesn't know that he's got it. And whoever gets it is the one that the monster's going to come after once he's been called forth by Dr. Carswell. Yeah. I, I, I know I'm moving ahead. I know we've got... I, I don't want to do that because we don't want to get out of the sequence here for the seance, but... But Carswell is great when they're at that children's party. Uh huh. I love that whole setup. Yeah. Well, there's a great, there's a that whole that whole scene in the library is really cool because, yeah, you 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 get a sense of Carswell's character and how he's he's so smooth and and uh, good with uh, you know his sleight of hand, I guess. And then he gives him the card, and that card has this magical writing on it. Yeah. That says he's got two weeks to live, that, that Holden's got two weeks to live. And, and then Carswell leaves, and as he's walking out, Holden has, like, this weird, like, spell come over him where he, everything is, like, shimmery, and he feels like he's, like, dizzy. And that was a cool effect that they achieved in the film. It sure was, because Carswell was going down that dimly lit hall looked like he was 15 floors underground <laughs> that was that was very well done yeah, yeah. so they then, took their time on that so then we i think holden and, and joanna harrington meet up and at, at the funeral for professor harrington and they don't really hit it off too well at the beginning um because john holden's not he's not necessarily like the nicest guy in some respects initially he's he's very he's very uh Full of himself yeah. and self-assured. Yeah. But he does have nice suits. <laughs> That's for sure. So then I, I uh, what happens next? Is the... Well, we, we, I, somewhere along this uh, story, Holden finds out that the pages are all torn out of his calendar book. Oh, right. After October 28th, because that's the day that Carswell will release the monster and that will be the end of Holden's life. And, and again, Holden just sort of like, Oh, you know, said, oh, that's nothing. Well, then they find out that those were the same missing pages that that uh, um, uh, uh, Doctor Professor Harrington had out of his. Oh, book. right, and then they and then then uh, Joanna Harrington and John Holden kind of team up because Joanna is convinced that it was that he, that his her uncle was murdered and it wasn't just an accident and and now John. Holden is starting to get convinced that maybe there is something supernatural going on. and Somewhere along the line, he, he discovers that parchment. I'm not quite sure the sequence of that. They're in his, in her, at her house. Oh, that's, yes, And there's a big right. storm outside. And then the, she's, she's reading from an old book about how this curse works. And then she says, In case it would make you feel better, a parchment has to be passed, and the person has to take it without knowing. My mother taught me never to take anything from strangers, and I still don't. Then what killed my uncle? An accident with a falling power line killed him. Then he should only have been burned. His body was mutilated horribly. The police said it could have been an animal. 
The only thing they didn't say was what kind of animal. Well, what do you expect me to do? Nobody's free from fear. I have an imagination like anyone else. It's easy to see a demon in every dark corner. But I refuse to let this thing take possession of my good senses. If this world is ruled by demons and monsters, we may as well give up right now. Nobody said we were ruled by them, but do... You just want me to give in to Carswell's carefully calculated threats. That's exactly what he wants me to do. Because he knows he can't stand up to a real investigation. If he's so all-powerful, what's he so afraid of? I wish I knew. Are you sure Carswell never passed anything or gave you anything on which the runes could have been written? What if he did? Did he? Well, he could have. At the museum, when my notes fell to the floor. As a matter of fact, he mentioned the museum the other day. Yes? Well, he picked up the papers and handed them back to me. Where are they now? At my hotel, I suppose. No. They're in my briefcase. I have it here. <laughs> the parchment and then this big gust of wind comes up and blows it out of his hand and it's trying to fly into the fireplace like it has a mind of its own i assume that if it was burned up then the, then he was definitely the one that would be targeted because there'd be no way to give it to somebody else yeah so it feels like part of the curse is that uh, once you realize you have the parchment it tries to destroy itself yeah now, there was one part of that, that setup where he's having dinner with uh, Peggy Cummings' character uh, where the door blows open and the wind is blowing in and good old Dr. Holden just sits at the table like he's not going to move. And I thought, you know, if my mother saw him do that, he'd be scolded for not getting up and closing the door. He makes, he makes her get up and go around and close the door because he's, he's too important to get up and do that. That's menial work. Yeah, and also neither one of them tries to stop the parchment from getting burned up. They just sort of watch it. And yeah. I was like, go get it. Don't you know? <laughs> they, were, they were mesmerized by the fact that it had a mind of its own. <laughs> yeah. I think at this point he decides he's got to go find out where it's from and what it means because somewhere along... In here, he's up at Stonehenge. I love that scene. Yeah, and I think that's before, that's before they go out to Carswell's place, right? So I think it's after that that they go to Carswell's place and they want to talk to him about this and what's going on. And that whole scene out at his... I don't even know. It was almost like it was some kind of a mansion. He had a lot of money, like family wealth. 
He does. And, and of course, uh, Dr. Holden says, well, I'll be the one that goes and looks inside because I can climb over the fence. Oh, this is before that. This is when they um, are at the children's party. Oh, 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 okay. I got out of sequence. Yeah, because that's a, that's a little bit later. Um, uh, this is when they go out during the day, and uh, he's pretending to be this magician clown, like uh, Carswell is. He was scary as heck. <laughs> yeah, and he, he invites all of the village children to his estate for a Halloween kind of party. And I thought, wow, that's very sort of medieval, you know. <laughs> like, and when those two little kids came around the tree with their full costumes on, yeah, that was a that was a uh, jump scare. It was, and then the one kid just points the gun right at John Holden's face. And I'm like, wow, that's uh, <laughs> rather bold of him. I think I think Carswell was sending another message to Holden that he could control these kids as well. Yeah, maybe that's true. And then. He he uh, wants to prove a point to Holden, so he does this spell. He kind of puts his thumb and, and index finger on his nose and closes his eyes, and he's like thinking something. And then all of a sudden, this gigantic storm blows in. It's like a cyclone uh, blowing in over the estate, and tree branches are falling down, and tables are blowing away, and the kids are blowing away. <laughs> Just how much do you know about this book that you're after? Not very much, only that Professor Harrington referred to it in his notes. A remarkable work. A few men that really understood it learned many strange and terrifying secrets. Only a few? Is it that hard to understand? I spent my life trying to decipher it. The ancient sorcerers who wrote it knew their information was far too valuable to entrust to any known language. I didn't realize what I was asking for. You don't believe in witchcraft? Do you? Do I believe in witchcraft? What kind of witchcraft? The legendary witch that rides on the imaginary broom, the hex that tortures the thoughts of the victim, the pin stuck in the image that wastes away the mind and the body. Also imaginary. But where does imagination end and reality begin? What is this twilight, this half-world of the mind that you profess to know so much about? How can we differentiate between the powers of darkness and the powers of the mind? <laughs> Ah, what do I see here? Yes, some chocolate, I do believe. Hmm, and there as well. Here we are. Carswell! <laughs> Wonderful, aren't they? If only we grown-ups could preserve their capacity for simple joys and simple belief. I see you practice white magic as well as black. Oh, yes. I don't think it'll be too amusing for the youngsters if I conjured up a demon from hell for them. Or for myself, for that matter. As we're not protected by the magic circle, we'd both of us be torn to shreds. And you'd spoil the party. You're so right. But how to prove my point? Ah, yes. Yes. Hmm. There. It's done. What is? The magician doesn't like to expose his magic, black or white. They run into the, into the house and he says, well, I might have overdone it a little bit. That was more power than what I was expecting. <laughs> <laughs> it, 
those kids uh, running into the house reminded me of the birthday party and the uh, the birds. Oh yeah! All the children got a, a scare, and they all had to run into the house. They couldn't round them up fast enough. Yeah, that's true. It was kind of similar like that. Um, but this is where Carswell is just blunt about the fact that yeah, I did put a curse on you, and you have <laughs> you have just a few more days to live, and there's nothing I can do about it. I guess you should have believed me and not written that mean article about me. <laughs> Boy, today Carswell would be giving curses to everybody if he was on Facebook, you know, and he's getting like oh. negative comments from people. Oh my gosh, we'd all be in trouble. <laughs> <clears throat> we finally, I think, after the party and after that uh, dinner with Joanna, that Holden begins to feel a little uneasy. Yeah. And... Uh, I think we're coming up. Let's see, I can't remember the Stonehenge. Let's oh, no, see. then, yeah, you're right. Then this, then he goes out to Stonehenge. That's right, because he goes out to Stonehenge, and then they come back, and they they go to the seance, and... Um, yeah, this is your... This is your yeah, uh, and, and I thought the whole seance thing was just totally unnecessary to me. I think... It doesn't add anything to the story. It doesn't. It doesn't advance the story. It it just sort of takes up some time, and it does give uh, Mrs. Carswell something to do, uh, but she, it doesn't advance her character really either. Other than she wants to help John, she see, she seems like she wants to help John. I could never. It was never clear to me what she was up to. Yeah, because then right after. The seance, uh, John Holden and Joanna Harrington just leave because they're like, this is BS, we don't believe any of this, and we're getting out of here. And and then Carswell is parked outside and, and sort of like grabs his mom and pulls her into the car. <laughs> yeah. Like, so yeah, I, it was weird. That guy gets around. He's, he's around all the time. I think he's also reading his mother's mind. Oh, maybe. Maybe. I mean, he's got so many other powers. Well, I think, so here's what I think. I think they could have cut that scene out. He could have gone directly from Stonehenge and pick up Joanna from her house saying that something about Stonehenge, and then they could have gone out to Carswell's house that night, and it would have been, it would have been a quicker pace, and I think it would have worked a lot better from a plot standpoint. I think, you know, if, we, if, if this film were available, we could make a... A off director's cut. A fan edit. Yeah, I would love a to fan do that. Edit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, uh, well, and then here's what I think they could have done with Mrs. Carswell's character. They earlier when we meet her for the first time, she should have. They should have played it off as if she was like scared of her son. Like like she's she she realizes how much power he has, and that she, if she does anything against his will, that she's going to pay for it. And so she's sort of under his spell almost in a way and and then i think it would have made more sense like to have her character in the movie then because it would have put more menace around dr carswell and the fact that he's controlling everything in his you know like even like you said maybe he's controlling the kids in the village and he's controlling his mom and you know he's putting these curses on people but the way that they play it off, it's it's almost like she knows that he's doing it, but she just sort of doesn't care. It's just like, ah, oh, well, yeah. kids will be kids. You know, my son really likes demons. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and they seem to like him, at least uh, until the end. But uh, I like that. I, I, we could we could edit this. It really would be about the same length. We could just make it uh, 
a little different. But the you know, I think now Joanna and Doctor Holden go out to the mansion at night. Yeah, yeah, and and Joanna, and he, it was actually and, Joanna's idea to go out there, and she's she's not going to put up with uh, John's like saying that she she should just stay back and not get involved. No lights are showing. If anybody finds you there, the charge will be burglary. Carswell's away. His mother told me. If you find a reception committee waiting for you, will you believe then that Mrs. Carswell loves her son, not us? I hope that's what does happen. Don't you see I want to be wrong? There's nothing I'd like better than to find out that this has all been put on just to scare you off. Where are you going? Let's see if I can get into the house. But it was my idea. You didn't think for a minute that I'd let you go in there, did you? I'll go with you. No, it'll be much easier for me. I can get next to the house by going through the woods without being seen. And with you waiting, I'll hurry back. I almost wish in some ways that she'd been the one to go into the house and like make yeah, her a stronger character. In the, in the in the nineteen fifties, that would have been really uh, breaking new ground for her to be attacked by the cat who turns into a leopard. Yeah, I think that would have been super cool wow. and really would have like upped the level of this movie for me like a couple points probably. But yeah, that would have been unusual for the fifties. I think yeah, like you said, Doctor Holding breaks into the house and all the time that he's there, Doctor. Carswell knows it. I'm sure that he knew that he was in the house. And they do that funny thing where they have this shot down the stairwell, and then all of a sudden a hand appears, and there's this yeah. dramatic music. Right. And then a, and then there's another shot of Holden kind of sneaking around, and then another shot of the hand appearing, and it's like, oh my gosh, it's so over the top. And Holden goes into the library den of Carswell, and there's this cat there that's sort of menacing in its appearance, but Holden doesn't think anything of it. And then the cat magically turns into a leopard and attacks him. Yeah. And and when I saw that, I think, that's a scene right out of Cat People when the panther attacks Kent Smith. Oh, totally. And they had that, and that was a really well done special effect. It was good. And I also thought that uh, Holden came out of that pretty well. I, I think if a leopard had actually attacked him, I don't know if he would have survived. <laughs> I think the only damage was he had a torn suit. <laughs> yeah. One of his excellent suits. But Carswell, of course, shows up on the scene and does some more menacing dialogue. And and again, I loved his, his demeanor. It was just sort of like, yeah, you're so, you're so screwed, dude. You're cursed. <laughs> you can come out here if you want, but it's not going to save you. <laughs> 28th is rapidly approaching. And oh, by the way, I would not leave through the woods. Yeah, he even tells him. He, he, he warned him, don't go back through the woods. And then, he, and then Holden's got this really weird line, which is, well, I always leave the way that I came. And I'm like, why? <laughs> why not go out the front door? <laughs> and he's going, Holden's going through the woods and what should appear but that beautifully done special effect to me that's uh, the best uh, special effect in the whole movie that looks super really scary is. and would would hold up today i think it's super well done i tried to figure out how they did that they must have really worked on it because it's just it's every bit as good as the special effects in third encounters or the 
uh, the th- close encounters, encounters of- close encounters of the third kind, where those effects take place in the clouds. This is just as good as that. Yeah, and and I watched it really close the last time I watched it, and the smoke interacts with the woods, so it like envelops the trees. Yeah, and so yeah, they they definitely composited several different plates together to do that. They did it in such a way that there must have they must have actually had a smoke machine out in the woods that night to to give it that real atmospheric effect. I want to give a special kudos to the special effects people. I don't have their names in front of me, but they did an outstanding job in this film. Well, originally they wanted Ray Harryhausen to do the monster, but he was busy on another movie. That would have been that would have really made it special. Oh, wow. So anyway, Holden miraculously escapes the woods, goes back to Peggy Cummins, and then I think, well, he finds out in in, uh, in uh, Carswell's house that he's been chosen, or he determines that he's been chosen to die, and he and he, I, I, then they want to do the séance with uh, the farmer. I'm, I'm, I'm. Uh, yeah, why do they want to do that? They want to find out more about how the curse works. I think, right? Yeah, they, they, yeah, they want he want Holden wants to see if he can break the curse through understanding how the farmer was possessed. But I think they first of all go to the police and make a report, and then Holden says, "Oh, just forget it," because the police are very skeptical. Oh right, yeah. It was dark in the trees, and I I saw this smoke. I know this sounds crazy, but I could have sworn the smoke came after me. And don't forget, Carswell tore out those pages. I mean, the book must have had the answer. Why would he have torn them out otherwise? Right. Well, one usually has a reason for tearing things out. And this feeling of being followed. And Carswell says Dr. Holden will die tomorrow night. Well, this enchantment thing. Hex. Forget the hex. Let's say something came after me. Take it from there. But we've been through all of this before. Frankly, I think a bit of sleep is indicated. Extraordinarily how different to think and look in the morning. But there's so little time. If what you say is true. But it is all of it. Doctor, I don't think that Scotland Yard can be anything more than an interested spectator until... Oh, I see your point. You mean until you have a victim? Well, you already have one, my uncle. Have we got anything in criminal records to cover phantoms and demons? Not that I know of. No, I didn't think so. You're right. It will seem different in the morning. But it is morning. It's three o'clock in the morning, to be exact. All right. Now, if you insist on setting the wheels grinding, will you please wait here? Uh, spare me a minute, sir. There's a Dr. John Holden outside, sir. The psychology chap. That's it, sir. It's um, it's a bit awkward. He's uh, it seems he's bewitched. You know, broomsticks and all that. Thinks he's being followed by something. Apparently, he's going to die tomorrow night. Does he say so? Well, uh, not exactly, sir. There's a young lady with him, a Miss Harrington. Apparently, her uncle went through the same thing. Thought he was being followed by something or other. Thought he was going to die on a certain night at 10 o'clock. Did he? Well, that's the thing that's got me puzzled, sir. He did. But it turns out they're not as skeptical as we think because they do have people later on at the station to try to keep an eye on what's going on. Now, one of those... I was just... Looping back to the special effects people, one of the people, Wally Veers, uh, Wally Veavers, did special effects on Superman, the movie from 1978, 2001, A Space Odyssey, Diamonds Are Forever, oh my, wow. Guns of Navarone. So that that person did quite wow. a few. 
movies. No kidding, and big movies, big budget movies. Yeah. This was not a big budget film. So yeah, so then they do that weird that weird sort of hypnotism thing with that oh. guy and and yeah, that was some terrible medical practice cuz All I could think of was lawsuit. Yeah. Lawsuit. Here, I'll pass him off to you. Oh no, I'll pass him back to you. Yeah, he was in a and comatose then, and then he, they wake him up out of it somehow through this hypnosis and then he freaks out and runs and jumps out the window and dies and it's like uh yeah. was that the plan? <laughs> like did you just did you not lock the door? This was just not well thought out. I tell you. And then they and, and, uh, and it it just doesn't slow the story down at all. They just move on. Yeah, because then I think we get to it. the last part where uh, they realize that uh, Carswell is on a train out of town, and this is their last chance to try to pass the parchment back to Carswell because they realize now that if they can pass it back to him without him knowing it, that the curse will will transfer. And so they have this whole scene in the train compartment where they're trying to give the parchment back to Carswell, and Carswell's so hesitant to take anything <laughs> from And home. there's only like a matter of a few minutes until 10 o'clock, and it all happens. Good evening, Dr. Holden. My boy, I've been expecting you. Joanna. First stage hypnosis. Oh, just a convenient way of stopping idle chatter on the train. She's not harmed. I'll bring her out of it. Now, wake. There's a friend here. Talk to him. John. This is abduction, you know. Oh, dear me, no. No, no. She came quite willingly. You came willingly, didn't you? You remember? We discussed it. Oh, at great length. John, he's frightened. Terrified of you. I thought it was supposed to be the other way around. He's trying to run away from you. You see why I let her sleep? This idle chatter. Carswell, I know now that you were right, and I was wrong. Really? But there is a way out for me. You always said so. Yeah. What's this? Feed it. You want me to admit your power. You can send this to any newspaper and photostatic copies to all your followers. Isn't that what you want? Yes, but uh, it's uh, too late now. It's six minutes to ten. Well, I guess it was my fault for not listening to Joanna. I'm sorry now that I didn't listen. And I want to thank you for convincing me of the existence of a world I never thought possible. If only you'd understood sooner. I suppose uh, I still have time for a last cigarette. Joanna. Go? No, no, thank you. I've stopped smoking. It must have been quite recently. You got a match? Ah, yes, of course. all right, you keep them. I shan't need them anymore. You're very generous. Well, uh, I leave you two alone. I know there's a certain feeling between you, and you might want to be alone. Sit down. Your generosity is becoming overwhelming as it gets closer to 10 o'clock. You're staying with me, Carswell. You've sold your bill of goods too well, because I believe you now. 
I believe that in five minutes something monstrous and horrible is going to happen. And when it does, you're going to be here so that whatever happens to me will happen to you. You're insane. You can't do this. No. You're staying here, Carswell. You're staying right here. No. Let him go, Holden. This man's insane. I must go. It's all right, Doctor. We're the police, as Holden knows. We've had you under observation more or less at his request. Fortunately for you, as you can see. Yes, I see. Thank you. It's obvious that Holden has got a bit of a persecution complex about you. Something about your putting a hex on it. Well, that's utterly ridiculous. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm getting out of this station. John, he's lying. He bought a ticket to Southampton. I saw it myself. This is idiotic. I can leave this train when I want. Excuse me. Here's your book, Mr. No, 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 it's not mine. I, I found it here when I got on the train. Your bags? My bed. Oh, uh, yes. Yes, of course. Yes. These are his, too. Well, you want your hat and coat, don't you, sir? My coat? Oh, yes, yes. Yes, very forgetful of me. Thank you very much. I... You passed them. You slipped them in my pocket. And it's good that the police showed up because it caused eno just enough confusion and, and uh, kind of uncertainty around what was going on with Carswell that he, he actually does take the coat from Holden and Holden had slipped the parchment into the coat pocket. And, and, and as soon as Harrington takes the coat, he gets this look on his, on his face and he says, you, you passed me the parchment, didn't you? <laughs> Carswell's ready to freak out. Yeah. You know, the, the, another, a little sort of a disconnect for me is when we're back at Carswell's house and the, the uh, leopard has just finished attacking Holden, Carswell is very self-confident, self-assured, and in total control of the situation. And then when we see him next, he's on the train and he's frightened. He's trying to get out of town. So I'm wondering, there, there's, there's not enough of a story connect between those two scenes on why did he suddenly have this sudden urge to get out of town? Well, and, and yeah, the, the, we see him back at his place. And then the next thing we see him is on the train, and they don't really... I think there's one line that explains why he's trying to get out of town. I think what may have happened, and I don't know this, there may have been some scenes where the police came and interviewed Carswell, and that tipped him off that something was going on and he'd better get out of town. Oh, that would, that would have been good to include. But I, I don't remember that taking place, so there's a little bit of a... A disconnect on the way that happens. Well, I don't think that's in the movie, but I think that that would be good. They they need something in there to connect Carswell at his mansion and then Carswell on the train and why he's so desperate to get out of town and and why he's he's so frightened. Yeah, at, at the and, and uh, yeah, that's a good point. It's another. We'll have to do some reshoots. We've got we've got we've got we've got some more changes to the fans edition, the, the fans cut, because that's about the fourth change. And yet, you know, having said all that about all these cuts and everything, I love the movie. Oh yeah, me too. I'm I'm, I'm just <laughs> these are just these are just ideas that I have because I've watched it so many times. But yeah, I still love the movie. Still, we're back to the train, and it's now ten o'clock, or it's actually one minute after ten according to the clock, and Carswell has is chasing the parchment down the tracks. Yeah. Because as we know, the parchment has a mind of its own. It's trying to escape. And he gets the, he gets close, but the parchment realizes it's past 10 o'clock and sets fire to itself. <laughs> yeah. And now Carswell is really in trouble. 
Because guess what comes for him out of the sky? <laughs> that same wonderful special effect. And then the demon. Yep. Wow. And that was a good special effect where the demon is holding him up above in the sky. I actually thought that was, that was really well done. And I kind of wish that they'd use that same costume. It looked like somebody in a costume. Yeah. Um, I kind of wish they'd use that a little bit more because the monster face that they have that's the close-up and it's snarling kind of looks a little bit too rubbery you know it's yeah but the but the monster when you see it from ground level looking up and it's and it's like ripping carswell apart with its claws that that looked cool yeah now another sign that i've been watching way too many movies like this when the monster's holding up the Carswell character and ripping him apart reminds me of a scene from the Alan Quartermain film where they find this spaceship that's buried in the subway in London and it is unleashed all these dynamics and the monster the electrical monster is holding up the guy and ripping him apart remember that? Not only do I remember it but I have the DV I have the Blu-ray version of that movie Five million years that's it yeah, yes. yeah. and this is a really cool this is a really cool version of it because it has a, a double-sided insert. Oh, so wow. on one side, oh, hang on a second here, yeah. So on one side you have the American version, which is called 5 million uh, years to Earth. But on the other side you have the UK version, which is called Quartermain, or Quartermass in the Pit. And the Pit. Oh, I like yeah, that poster. And, uh, and that monster even kind of looks like... The demon. This is There's one of my favorite of movies. I, uh, this one, yeah. I'll watch like over and over and over again as well. Yeah. And, and I don't think we've ever reviewed it. Oh, I'd be, I'd be super happy to review this movie. But there's like all these scenes in this film that we see in other movies. So I think we're, I think we have reached the uh, uh, pinnacle of watching every science fiction movie. From the- <laughs> From the 50s and 60s. (laughs) My goodness sakes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, Carswell meets a bitter end. And then we kind of get the closing shot with Holden and and Joanna, or John and Joanna in there. there. I think they embrace. Do they kiss at the end? I can't remember. Uh, Let's see. I believe they do. I believe they kiss and they walk off. And Holden says, it's better not to know. And then fade to the end. Meanwhile, Carswell's body is back along the track smoking. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're like, he got, he got hit by a train, and then it, it's like, yeah, yeah that, why there's is always he this other reason why they died, so there's always a cover <laughs> yeah. for the next Carswell. I don't know who that'll be, but I'm sure that's happened many, many, many times. Oh, that's so funny. Such a great I read movie. Where, I read where, like, Robert Taylor and uh, Dick Powell were early on thought to be. Uh, considered for the or were considered to be the lead for the Dana Andrews character either of them would have been good Dick Powell would have been good uh great movie I I'd give the movie a oh boy I'll give it without our edits a seven (laughs) yeah I was gonna give it a seven I I as much as I love it and I'll, I'll watch it I'll probably watch it again in the next few days maybe even today um I I just think it has a lot of flaws and plot holes and problems, but I just don't care. I still I still love it. I, I the, the special effects, by and large, are ten. 
yeah with the smoke and in the in the woods and and all of that I the think monster carswell's was, character was like six. is a 10 to me um I like Joanna's character. I wish they'd given her a little bit more to do. I, I, I think having her go into the house at night to break in would have been just amazing. Wouldn't uh, that have changed though? Yeah. Yeah. Really. So. I'd, I'd give Dr. Holden's character about a seven. Yeah, he's sort of the... he's. I don't think... Nothing about him really is, is super standout other than his hair and his suits. And his suits. And, and for a psychologist scientist he doesn't have a particularly open mind to new things no he's very much a believer in in what he knows and and doesn't seem to want to hear anybody else's opinion <laughs> even 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 if there's overwhelming evidence that something else is going on and then that closing line is this really the mind of a of a scientific mind when he says it's better not to know yeah yeah. Well, anyway, so we gave it a seven, and we could watch it every week and never get tired <laughs> of it. That's true. There are films like that, like Capric- Capricorn 1, I, I watch, and I just forget about all the plot holes because it's so much fun. Yeah, that movie doesn't, doesn't land in this zone for me. Uh, but yeah, five, <laughs> 5 Million Years to Earth definitely does. I would watch that a lot. Alan Quartermass. Or there was that one in, from the 80s where... They're all going up. Their their souls are being taken up to the oh life force mothership. Yeah, life force. That's another one. Or they uh, live. Remember that movie? They live <laughs> with yes. Roddy Roddy Piper. <laughs> Give me one of those pair of glasses. Yeah. Oh, so that's our yeah. So uh, up next podcast. is uh, well, up next is a movie from Mexico, El Vampiro. I think you said it from 1957. Yeah. yeah. So I've never heard anything about this movie or, or seen it so that'll be fun i think it's a, a sort of a side-by-side remake of an english language version of the vampire cool but this is the one from mexico and i just watched the beginning of it to make sure i had it i think it was on i'm not sure which of the services it was on it might have been youtube or itunes one of those but it is available and so i i, I haven't watched that i've watched the english version but not the uh, Mexican version. Cool. And then after that, we're going to be doing a series of uh, movies with uh, uh, on a theme of science fiction, and they're movies that our patron at Tier 4 chose, uh, Arthur Schoolco. So he'll be joining us, not next episode, but the episode after that. And, then after- and they're all really good movies. We've got Soylent Green, Time Machine, 2001 a space odyssey and the uh gene berry film war of the worlds yeah that'll be super fun and then after that we're like okay enough of this supernatural science fiction stuff we're gonna do some musicals and comedies yes we'll lighten it up for the holidays (laughs) i sent you some that i think would really be good and they're all available yeah mr blanding builds his dream house was one of them We'll finally get to that. Yeah, I, I, I remember what we, we watched that, but it was one of those Netflix watch parties, I think. But we didn't review it. Oh, that's... Well, one of the things about it is he's, he says, I think he's making $15,000 a year in 1940... What is it? 1948. So if you, if you dismiss the salary, he's got a very good job when you convert that money to, uh, to 2020. Yeah, I have a lot to say about that movie. I think it's going to be an interesting 
podcast. <laughs> so, Alrighty. All right. Uh, well, that was our review of Curse of the Demon. And coming to you from North Bend, it's Matt. And here in Los Angeles, it's Bob Welk, uh, wishing everybody happy movie watching. Maybe it's better not to know. The train must have hit him and dragged him. I thought he was on the other side, sir. Don't be ridiculous, Simmons. Look at him. The train must have hit him. You're right. Maybe it's better not to know.